Welcome back, guys, to the Park Car Conversation. This is episode number nine. It's Jay here. Last week, I told you guys that I was going to have to take a break. Everything became very mentally draining and taxing on me. But I used my own advice and I turned that pain into power. So today's episode, I'm going to be talking about three action steps that we can use to build back our black communities. Number one is educate. We need to educate ourselves so that we can educate our communities. And for the last year or so, I've been listening to podcasts. And the number one podcast I listen to on a regular basis is by Jay Jones. And it's the Black Entrepreneur Blueprint. I'm going to make sure I post this in the video so that you guys can follow. He's pro everything Black and building the Black communities and especially for Black entrepreneurs. So this is definitely a podcast that you want to check out. A lot of what I'm going to talk about today is attributed to his last episode that I just listened to. No power, no justice, no peace. So make sure you check it out. The second point is breaking systemic cycles. Power recognizes power and power also recognizes weakness. Which one are you going to choose during this time? We have the momentum going and we're going to choose power. We got to keep this information going and flowing. And this is how we directly go back and help our black communities. Jay Jones, my uncle now, has been, you know, giving me gems. And I hope that I can share them with you. and I'm going to keep it going. And number three is building our community. I'm going to let you know how personally I am planning on moving forward to help build our black communities and just build back the youth in general. So it's time to take action. And when you got to take action, you have to believe that a change is going to come. I personally believe that a change is coming and it's already here. And so if you believe change is going to come, then you have to actually take action. What happened after slavery? They hated to see the fact that they could no longer legally own black people. So they have found concealed ways of oppressing and owning black folk. And Clearly, what we've been seeing in the media is they have been blatantly doing it in front of our faces. So what are we going to do to combat that? Who wouldn't be wealthy if you had 400 years of free labor? Who? Big whoop. You're wealthy. You literally built your whole infrastructure, your whole entire existence on the back of black people. And today I'm going to specifically focus on North America, that being United States and Canada. People don't want to face a fact of racism and that racism is a fear that people will come and take your control and your power. So everything that you're scared about and when you hear people saying, oh, they're worried about the rioting and the looting. We learned that from you. When Jay Jones was speaking about this every second, when he said that, he's just like, we learned that from you. I was like, facts. So let's think about historically and let's look at one of the events that basically shows how the white racist and the white oppressor took the power away from black folk. Tulsa, the Black Wall Street. In 1921, in Oklahoma, they burnt Tulsa down to the ground. They couldn't stand the fact that there were wealthy, well-to-do, and well-put-together Black folk. So they literally burnt their town down in 17 hours. So let's talk about it. Dickie Rowling, a 19-year-old Black male who dropped out of high school so that he could shine shoes in the white part of Tulsa for extra money. At that time, a dollar, five dollar tip was a significant amount of money. It was a good move for him. And this is also during the time where they had Jim Crow laws in place. And what those laws basically did was divide the black community from being able to enjoy the privileges and the conveniences that white people did. That means you couldn't use their washrooms. You couldn't drink from their water fountains. You couldn't walk on their side of the roads. You couldn't use their stores, et cetera, et cetera. So Dickie Rowling had to use the washroom one day at work. And the closest one was in a building 
on the second floor. The elevator operator, and in today's society, if you're on social media, you're following, we're going to call them Karens. You know about the Karens, but her name in 1921 was Sarah Page. Sarah Page did what they do best. She screamed rape on Dickie Rowling. They took him down to the courthouse. And remember, we're thinking about Tulsa and the Black community, the Black Wall Street. They didn't call it the Black Wall Street for nothing. At that time, they said that they equated to about $5 million, which in today would equate to billions of dollars. So this is an extremely wealthy Black community, Black-owned businesses. They have Black power. They went down to check on the neighborhood of the south side of Tulsa where they were keeping Dickie Rowling just to see how things were and tensions were high. Black people had ammunition. They came prepared. White people had came prepared. And the second day in, tensions were so high that the white people went to Tulsa and the Black-owned Wall Street and burned that town down in 17 hours, rioted. So when you say we learned that from you, historically, you have taken the land from natives. You have built your country on the back of black slaves. We learned this behavior from you. So don't talk about the the rioting and the looting. When they burnt down Tulsa, 300 black people were killed. 6,000 of them were placed in internment centers. And those are basically prisons that people went when they weren't fined for anything. There was no just cause or justification why they were being arrested and detained. And white folk, not a single one was ever tried. Sarah Page was never tried. They burnt this down. So after this happened, they realized that, I mean, the Black Wall Street in Tulsa, they had so much power that it was hurting their economy, that they were no longer running. So the white folk actually pleaded to let the black folk out. So they started letting them out of jail and then they built, uh, they made fire regulations so that to build back their town, they had to, uh, you know, adhere by certain requirements. And as you can imagine, this is hard for people where you just burnt their houses down. They are now sleeping in tents and you want them to build back their, you know, their community with what resources, you know, and even their insurance, the white insurance companies that they had their insurance with said that basically they're not going to help and give them insurance because it was the black people's fault that this riot happened in the first place. So do you understand why it's important to educate ourselves, educate ourselves in the history? And there's so much more history that we need to learn. And maybe through the anger of what has systemically systemically happened, you'll understand why it's important that we need to put our money back into the black community. So point number two. We need to break our systemic cycles. Jay Jones highlighted something. And when he said this, I was like, damn. He said, look, for example, the Popeye's chicken sandwich. You made them millions. We used social media and literally highlighted this goddamn chicken sandwich to a point where Popeye's was off the chain. Do you understand the power in numbers that if we did that to black owned businesses, we would be building millionaires by the day? We need to keep that same energy. And the thing is that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. And when I say that, we don't have to reinvent something that, you know, that's new. We already have the blueprint. We have been wealthy before. We have had power before. We just need to ensure that we're doing that in our own communities. So if you're watching this podcast, I am located in Toronto, Canada, we have Black Dollars TO, which is a new page that is being formed and we're pushing everything black owned please check them out if you are for this cause i'm going to post this also you make sure you follow this page you dm them if you know a black business for white folk people who are not black if you want to help you're asking how you can help you're going to support these businesses on this page 
because rightfully so, everything systemically has been put against them so that they could not rise. So what we're going to do is put our dollars back into Black-owned businesses. For example, myself, what I'm going to consciously do is that I'm going to find Black-owned hair stores in our community. All the Black hair stores in Toronto are owned by Koreans. Why is that? They found the the need that Black women, Black men, we need hair products. We need, you know, the hair. We need products, et cetera, et cetera. Why aren't we buying from someone who's Black? Of course, they have buying power because for 400 years, they stripped our communities and they have, you know, 200,000 here, 200,000 there. Boom, 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 boom. They put their money together and they get their things at a cheaper rate. So what is that going to mean? That's going to mean that for our black community, it might not be as convenient because there not, may not be as many. It might be a little bit further and they might be a little bit more expensive. But when you go to support your friends, this is just a side note. When your friend has a business, you're not looking to get free stuff from your friend. That's not how you support your friends. This is not how we're going to support our black community. We have to put our hard earned dollars back into our black community. So again, Black Dollars T.O. And we need more initiatives like this in every single city across the globe. Jay Jones said something in the episode, No Justice, No Peace. And it was a mic drop moment. He said, you are so accustomed to privilege that equality seems like oppression. Wow. (laughs) Guys, wow. When he said that, it's just like, listen to that. There's people who you think that are your friends or your family or in your communities that you're cool with that literally still don't see why this is such a big deal and why we're not talking about their problems. You are so accustomed to your privilege that the basic human right of black people having their lives feels like oppression. It feels like a burden to you. So when black people became legally free, it became a liability for white folk and for what races white folk. So we're going to break that down. We're going to stop that right there. And I just want to let you know, kings and queens, that our power is what needs to rise above. And as a community, we're going to rise above this. We are not going to stop. I am not going to stop. And just one thing to know, especially with everything that's going on with the pr- police brutality, legal does not mean right. It's never been for 400 years. It's never been. So again, we're going to do what's right for our community. Step number three, we need to build our communities. If you believe that there's change and we need change, then you're going to personally create change. So I want to introduce to you guys how I personally plan on attacking change. And I want to introduce to you my brand, CC Inspire. I got that on my neck. CC meaning carbon copy. On an email, when you carbon copy CC people, if I send the email to 40 people, all of those 40 people can see themselves attach the email as well as everybody else. So CC inspire. When you inspire, they see it, they see it, they see it, and then they're inspired, and then they inspire, and they inspire. So we want to continue to inspire people in our communities by everything that we said. We want to educate folk. We want to educate the youth, especially my personal own desire is to work directly with the youth, um, being that I've been in the school board, being that I built relationships with students all over, especially even in Toronto, keep it going, financial literacy, understanding history so that they can feel the pain enough to turn it back around and, you know, not hate our brothers and, and sisters. You know, when everyone talks about black on black crime, there's white on white crime, there's Asian on Asian crime, there's Latino on Latino crime. It's not enough to say. So especially within our black communities, we want to build the youth up. We want to make sure that all of our kings and queens know how important it is. There is no better time than right now. 
We have the momentum going right now and we're not going to stop. One other important fact I forgot to mention is that white people couldn't stand the fact that they couldn't legally own black people. So they found other ways to make them slaves. And the statistics are dumb high, especially in North America, for the amount of black men and women that are incarcerated as opposed to any other race. And especially when we're talking about police brutality, they no longer have them on slave plantations. They have them in correctional plantations. They have them in the prison plantations. And so we're going to make sure that the pressure is on. We know that we matter. They've tried to make us feel like we didn't matter. And the world is waking up now and we have the momentum and everybody knows that that's not right. And we're going to keep pushing. We're here and we're not going nowhere. So as I wrap up this episode, I just want to let you guys know that we need to keep these conversations going. That's the biggest part of the park car conversation for me. So in the comments, drop ideas, drop plans that you have that you're going to do and ideas that you think that we can do to help build back our black communities. Send this to a friend. Let's keep the conversation going. See you next time. And again, it's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, IT, IGTV if you're watching it. And I can't wait till next time. <laughs>